0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: In-person hearings are coming back to the Social Security Administration. SSA and the Association of Administrative Law Judges reached an agreement on that point. But video and phone hearings will still be an option for disability this coming year. Judges over the past two years have held hundreds of thousands of telehearings. That was since the start of the pandemic. For more, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with the union president, Som Ramroop.
0: I would say that the two themes of the Memorandum of Understanding signed between the agency and the AALJ is flexibilities and safety. So in terms of flexibilities, it's flexibilities for the American people that we serve. We serve a lot of vulnerable individuals that appear before us who probably, they may still be uncomfortable traveling to or appearing at an in-person hearing. Or they have underlying medical conditions that may make a vaccine not as effective, for example. Or they might have other infirmities that make travel difficult or have concerns about exposure with appearing at an in-person hearing. So we're still gonna afford those folks the flexibility of continuing to have video or telephone hearings. But there are other individuals who think that this is my opportunity to present my case to an impartial adjudicator. And I wanna be able to do that in person, make my arguments and my positions and state my case in person. So this MOU allows those people to come in, and uh, do exactly that.
1: So that flexibility seems to be the real operative word here. To that point, there's going to be a discretion of applicants being able to request one or another being in-person or or some sort of virtual format?
0: Correct. And I'll just back up a second. I have to commend the agency and the ALJ Corps because we transitioned on a dime to first telephone hearings and then added in video hearings. And we pretty much did that seamlessly. And it's reflected in the fact that the pending number of hearings has continued to come down throughout the course of the pandemic. I think anyone fairly looking at these numbers should be impressed by that because we started with 575,000 pending cases at the start of fiscal year 2020, and we're now down to about 352,000 cases. That doesn't mean that we only adjudicated, you know, whatever that number is, about 200,000, because in addition to the fact that we brought the pending number down, we also received quite a few cases. For example, in fiscal year 2020, we received uh, about 430,000 new cases Fiscal year 2021, we received approximately 385,000 new cases. So, in addition to the fact that we brought that pending number down, we also adjudicated the new cases that we were receiving. So, I want to commend the judges, the staff at the hearing office in achieving that result, which is a great accomplishment uh, during a time when folks were maybe afraid to leave their homes but you know we wanted to ensure that these vulnerable Americans continue to get their hearings even in the midst of the pandemic
1: obviously of course safety remains a key concern for these in person hearings that will be returning and so just to better understand that a little bit more you know what are some of the safety considerations that are being put in place here to ensure that these in person hearings can continue as safely as possible
0: The primary precautions for a safe environment are masking, social distancing, and air filtration. And all three of those things are contained within this MOU. Additionally, there'll be plexiglass at both the judge's bench as well as the tables where the representatives and the claimants appear. So there are certainly enhanced safety measures contained within the MOU with specific reference to CDC guidance. Additionally, there will be contact tracing consistent with OSHA guidance, which is also specifically referenced within the MOU. So in crafting the MOU, the agency and ALJ negotiators focused on the science and the guidance of those federal agencies that have the expertise in that area. And that's what's referenced within the MOU.
1: To maybe take a step back here a little bit, understandably, this is the latest in a series of, I think, careful negotiations that have played out between SSA management as well as the association. Are there other issues in play here?
0: Sure. Like, first of all, I want to say that this outcome, I think, benefits the American public, benefits the agency, and benefits our judges. And it reflects the fact that both parties, ALJ and the agency, can work through difficult issues. And I'm happy to say that there were issues that we had difficult conversations about, but the agency worked with us on those issues, and we were able to produce an outcome, as I said, that benefits the public at large. So I'm really happy about this outcome. I think this outcome... Presages a more favorable atmosphere in terms of relationships between the agency and our judges. And I'm really thrilled to see that. And I think, you know, we're about to enter into term bargaining with the agency. And I think it sets the standard for what we can achieve over the course of the term bargaining. Additionally, I want to say that some of the concepts included in the MOU could be regarded as some sort of test as to what can be achieved, rethinking the hearing process generally in terms of what the representatives want, what the claimants want and need in a hearing process, and what the judges want and need in the hearing process, as well as outcomes the agency would like to achieve. So I think it's really an opportunity for us to reimagine the hearing process and talk about those larger issues. It doesn't have to be status quo, just as has occurred in the private sector where they've reimagined the workplace. We could do the same thing in the public sector. So I think it's an opportunity to do that. And to the extent that we're successful, during this short term period of time that this MOU covers, I think it will reflect in our term bargaining that's about to occur.
1: Yeah. And it strikes me as, as I'm hearing all of this, that this may reflect on something that we've heard a lot these days, which is kind of the idea of a new normal in terms of a workspace. Do you see this as perhaps a, a new normal for the way that the association and the way that these administrative law judges go about doing this work for the foreseeable future?
0: Absolutely. It's a new normal for the relationship between the union and the agency, and it's a new normal in terms of how and where we perform our work. But ultimately, I want to say we're focused on providing the claimants that appear before us due process, and we're focused on service to the public. So whatever we do, whatever we craft, that's going to be the touchstone the keystone, I should say, for whatever it is that we craft and we create. But around that, we're going to build efficient dispositions, work-life balance for our judges. That's important to us as an organization. But ultimately, we are focused on providing service.
1: Som Ramroop, president of the Association of Administrative Law Judges, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Melissa Bradley, the founder and managing partner at 1863 Ventures, an investment company focused on bridging entrepreneurship and racial equity, and accelerating new majority entrepreneurs from high potential to high growth. Additionally, Melissa is co-founder of Venture-backed Eureka, community where small businesses gain unprecedented access to the expertise needed to grow their businesses and has more than 20 years of entrepreneurship, investment, and leadership experience. Melissa, welcome and thank you for being here.
3: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
2: Who is the first person that you remember looking up to as a leader and what was it about them that inspired you?
3: So there are actually two people. Um, the first person, personally, was my mom. Uh, she was a single parent. And what I realized is that she was the leader of our household, but she was also the leader of our community. Um, she was a staunch advocate for children's rights in public schools, making sure that we got a quality education. She was a staunch advocate around rights for renters. Um, We were not in a financial position that we actually ever owned a home, uh, but she made sure that people who lived in various types of housing, we were in regular housing, the people who were in regular housing, public housing, she made sure that their rights were advocated for um, and really just always kind of looked out for, I'll, I'll use air quotes, the little guy, while although we were the little guy. Uh, And then I would say she was a huge advocate of older folks um, as part of her job. She worked during the week uh, in a full-time job and then cleaned houses on the weekend, but also took care of elderly folks and a staunch advocate for elderly rights. Um, So that was probably the, the first leader. And then I would say the second leader black communities experience and to phrase it in a way not based on anger, but really using data. And so I would say I've consistently been a staunch advocate for black and brown communities, but has evolved from being very reactive and saying, well, don't do this and don't do that, to saying, let me explain to you why I think it's important that we take this up and really letting the facts drive the discussion. Some of that probably comes from the fact that I've worked in two presidential administrations, and we all know that that just goes back and forth and often times based on rhetoric and not fact. And having six kids in a world of social media, I think there's something, the the art of of conversation based on facts and data has devolved to uh, opinions and pundits. And and I think that's a challenge around leadership because your job is not, in my mind, to convince people, but to inform people and allow them to make decisions for themselves.
2: I I saw you on a post uh, with a Washington Post um, uh, interview, and it it, you were amazing. And it, it's interesting to listen to you describe what you just said because I could see all of that reflected in how you responded there. And um, make one other quick uh, comment about, as a company grows, WEPA is growing as well. And you are so spot on. We have, as, as leaders, we have to let go and trust those people that work for us and empower them to do their job and then let them roll. And that's not always easy.
3: Check out live slash best music
1: for details. Winter season is here, and Discount Tire wants you to stay safe on the road. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at discounttire.com.
0: Discount Tire, let's get you taken care of. Let's get you.